Welcome to the PBJ Connection Podcast. This will not be televised. Knowing there are thousands of other podcasts to choose from, we're glad you're here listening to us. If there are any topics you'd like us to cover or you have a question or a comment, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message at pbjconnection at gmail.com. Welcome, listeners, to PBJ Connections. We're here, PB and J, to talk about food and food deserts and all all things that are impacting the earth right now and our, our future. So, Jay, I'm going to let you start off because you were getting ready to get ready to talk about food deserts. So, you know, what is a food desert? What are food deserts? I mean, they're all over the world. They're they're just not here in the United States. They're all over the world. And usually it's it's areas where healthy food is not available um, and it's not uh, there's no resources, economic resources for people to even to be able to even get healthy food, let alone a grocery store that would be within distance of of being able to get healthy food. And that's one of the things, the challenges of being in some areas, um, and it's just not in you know big cities because you know with gentrification. You know, the first thing that happens when you start seeing a neighborhood go through gentrification um, is basically they put in great stores, you know, organic stores, grocery stores, pharmacies, you know, access to public transportation. Um, And that's when you kind of can tell how an area is growing and you can see the changes in the area. but. In urban areas where there are mostly what they call BIPOC, which is uh, Black, Indigenous, and people of color, um, in in low-income areas, you'll find out that the grocery stores are far and few between, um, as well as there's no economic structure in order to ensure that people are, are able to get, to be able to afford the food. And Pam, you know, to have a healthy diet. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna give everybody who, anybody who's in the United States who's uh, listening to us today, the USDA, and this, this really confirms what you just said. The U.S. Department of Agriculture defines a food desert as an area that has either a poverty rate greater than or equal to 20 percent or a median family income not exceeding 80% of the median family income in urban areas, or 80% of the statewide median family income in non-urban areas. So when you hear the words median family income, they're talking about salaries. They're talking about what you're making for your job. And they've taken the average of the area of what people are bringing in for a salary. So if you're if if you're working a low income job, um, in which there are a lot of places in the United States where people aren't making a hell of a lot of money, um, and they're averaging that out, that's that's what that's all about. I'm sorry, Pam. Go ahead. No, no, no. Thank you for that info, Jay, because um, that's good for our listeners to know that you know it depends on your area. It depends on whether it's low income, and you'll know whether you live. <laughs> in a food desert or not, I mean, just based on the stores that you have, 
uh, around you, what av available um, food sources, grocery stores, restaurants, you know, basically how the your general infrastructure is built. You can tell, you know, if that is a food desert or not. If you see like convenience stores on like few corners um, and not necessarily no grocery stores nearby, then you know that that's a food desert because it's very hard to get fresh fruits and vegetables from convenience stores. <laughs> that's that's kind of funny. But you know, it's interesting that you say that. I was reading an article, not recently, but I think it was um, maybe a week ago, about how many people are shopping at Family Dollar oh. and the Dollar Store. Because they have, Family Dollar especially, and by the way, the Dollar Store and Family Dollar are all owned by the same company, if I'm not mistaken, they have seen the value of putting groceries in the family dollar store now, which was when I used to go there, and I, by the way, I did used to go there very frequently when I was at a lower salary. Um, they didn't have groceries in there at all, but they've got frozen it's food in there. Household products. Yeah, they've got eggs, they've got milk, they've got frozen foods. Um, yes. I don't know if they've expanded to produce or not. That would be very tough uh, financially for them to keep fresh produce, but... True, true. And so, yeah, so you, you end up with... These areas end up with really very limited resources in order to get healthy food. And, you know, of course, there are... In, in certain urban areas, they have what they call uh, farmer's markets, right? That they may come you know, once a week, a Saturday or something, and the farmer market would come in. Um, but that would that would be it. I mean, if you ran out of food or you didn't, you know, didn't have food assistance, like, you know, a lot of people have food assistance, but even that is being cut by the government. You know, uh, the amount of money that's going out towards people who need food assistance so you're you're limited on not only the food but the wherewithal, you know, financially to even get healthy food. Because Jay, you and I have talked about that. Some some places you can go into and I don't wanna say what the whole name is of this food store. <laughs> Does it rhyme with something? <laughs> right. <laughs> But when you go in there and you go shopping and you can just pick up a few items, it is not, you can walk away with just a very few items and a hundred dollars that you spent and you wonder where the heck, what did I get and what did I buy? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and given inflation, you and I talked about this offline or we may have even talked in a podcast about it with inflation. I've seen my grocery bill, and I'm a, I live as a single person. I have seen my grocery bill go up like by fifty dollars a week because yeah. everything is just jacked up. And then Absolutely. you and I talked about, you know, is that really inflation or is it price gouging? I have my own opinion, mm -hmm. and you know what that is. Yeah, and I I do too, and I I feel like a lot of it's price gouging. I mean, yes. We had a, a time during COVID in which, you know, there was a, a breakdown in the supply chain, 
you know, and that, you know, truck drivers were going on strike and, you know, the trains weren't running as frequently as they used to. And, you know, all our means of getting produce, fresh fruits and vegetables, even just regular food in the grocery stores was like sparse. I mean, you could go into the grocery store one day and you would have shelves and shelves of bread. And then two days later, you go in there and there's like maybe two or three loaves. And it's like, what the heck is going on? Because they didn't get a delivery that that day or, you know, the day before. Um, so, but the thing is, that is pretty much not the case anymore, you know? Um, so where is it that, why is it that we're still paying these high prices? And, and my thought process is that they started, you know, during COVID, prices went up. And so they realized people would still buy. And so it's like, why would we lower our prices when people are still buying our products at the higher prices? Why not, right? So exactly. I think it's a lot of price gouging, um, these big companies lining their pockets with more um, because the process, the food hasn't changed. No. And, right? And, no, and if you start looking at the, if you really go down into the rabbit hole and you start looking at the financial situation of these companies that claim, you know, crying the blues about, you know, it, you know, everything's more expensive, you know, transportation right. and gas and this and that. And then the CEOs are getting bonuses of like, you know, $2 million. <laughs> At, right, at, right. And, and they're even laying off people, yes. right? Because a lot of companies are are in the process of laying off people, but that's not stopping the bonuses of these, you know, the the muckety mucks of these corporations. I'm sorry, I sound like I'm really biased against corporations, but yeah. based, you know, unless what I've been reading is completely false, uh. We're living in a, in a time, and we're going down a rabbit hole here. Uh, no, that's sorry. okay. Go down the rabbit hole but, because this is all relevant for our, our listeners to understand, yeah. you um, know, what is actually happening. Yeah, we're living in, you know, there's 1% who's making all the money. And then, mm. you know, the other people who are paying the taxes and paying the high prices, and they really don't have an option. It's It's like, well, I can either feed my family or not. Or I can go to some other, <clears throat> I can go to the convenience store, or I can just feed everybody fast food where I know I can get a whole bunch of processed, really bad food for my family. And, you know, then there goes the health of my family because of the, the, the crappy food that's cheaper and more convenient. And then you were talking about farmer's markets, and you and I reminisced a while back about when where we grew up um you used to be able to go on roadside stands and used to get fresh vegetables i remember my mom getting green beans and we would spend the afternoon cleaning them and snapping them and we'd have green beans for dinner but it was it was you know healthy same thing with collard same thing with kale um same thing with uh, you corn. know, oh corn! Oh my gosh, corn! You know the corn, corn stands were everywhere. Corn on the cob. Yeah. I mean, it was like a summer <laughs> event to go get fresh corn on the cob, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Uh, but I don't know that where I live, I don't see those. I don't know if they still exist in other states or not. 
Well, here it is. I'm going to tell you from what I've seen where I live, um, I haven't seen any roadside stands, you know. Um, the farmer market, like I said, I don't think it's frequent enough, you know, like every mm. comes every week or yeah. whatever. I think it comes like because a lot of farmers market will accept food assistance, yeah. you know, cards. Yeah. And so I think it's like the first of the month, but here it is. The food is going to run out before the next month, you know? Yeah. And so then you have to kind of maneuver and, and navigate through, you know, for the next, you know, three, three weeks to figure out where you're going to get certain foods from or, you, or are you going to do rice and beans, beans and rice morning, noon and night? Because that, those are always cheap staples, but they're not good for you. No. The beans, I, yes. But the rice, no. Right. Know? Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't have a, um, you can't have your health when you're eating poor food. And so that, that leads me into talking about this other article that I read from the USDA and you and I have talked about health, and we've talked about diet and nutrition. The lack of access to healthful foods and easy access to fast foods may be linked to poor diets, well, I think they are, that are high in sugar, sodium, and unhealthful fats, which contribute to diet-related conditions like high blood pressure and cardiovascular disease, and probably dental issues You know, for kids um let's not think let's not forget about diabetes oh and diabetes, diabetes oh my gosh yeah really not and you and i have talked about this it's like you know you think about eating a lot of sugar yeah and that's gonna you know cause diabetes yeah. well that's not the fact nope we that's found that out <laughs> that's not the factor in getting diabetes it's it's the diet and it's the way your body processes those those carbs and starches that come into your body, whether it converts it to sugar, whether you know how it doesn't, and as humans get older, your body changes. So it's not, <laughs> we can attest to we that. Attest to that. <laughs> we are not yeah, so we're not young and spry, so that we can eat pretty much whatever we want to and have no impact. But here it is. They found out it was uh, an article that was, I think it was, it was a research article that was uh, submitted to NIH and it was talking about, this one particular article was talking about, and, and I'm kind of like off topic, but on topic, was talking about how, you know, how if you do not start thinking about your health now, there's a scale and every year it that, that scale goes up towards diabetes you know it's and it's kind of fascinating because it doesn't take long at, at some point in your life your um, glycemic index was actually normal and then as the years go on even though you may not have changed your diet or done nothing different it will increase automatically and so you have to be really conscious and, and think about the earlier I start, the better off I'll be in my later years. Right. And, and that's why, and you and I talked about this, I think, either offline or online, when you're young, how you're able to eat just about anything okay. with no repercussions that you can see, right? Like, ah, oh, I can't believe I just ate all that and I feel great. Right. Or I just right. had two stalks of celery and that's all I need. I, you know, I feel fine. I feel energetic. 
Absolutely. And then later on, as you start getting older, you you either like, I really need to eat something right now because I'm getting really angry. <laughs> right? right. It's right. like, I have to eat something. As and, they call it, hangry. Hangry, you right, <laughs> right. And then you say, well, I just had two st- stalks of celery, and I think I just gained 10 pounds. <laughs> so, right. It's like, right. what happened? When did that when did that when happen? Did that happen? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Because you can actually do a certain amount of diet control when you get older, you know, controlling what you eat, what you intake. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you weigh yourself one week and you're oh, this way. The, the but you scale. know that you, you ate healthy all week long. So you yes. get excited about getting on the scale. And all of a sudden, you, where did those extra pounds come from? I, I, I know. Pretty yeah. much starving myself. Right. Right. Exactly. It's like the dreaded scale. It, it's mm-hmm. like I think I need to go out and run over it with my car. Right. Because <laughs> I'm tired of stepping on that scale. Yes. Eliminated from your bathroom. Yes. It's like here it is. As long as you, I think, as long as people feel good about, you know, their body, the way they feel, and even anxiety and stress. You know, uh, if they can keep that down to a minimum, you know, people will <laughs> automatically. If, if, I said if. Sorry, okay. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> that's Jay in the background laughing everyone because she knows that that's an impossible task, but we can all can control it to a point. But, um, yeah, so going back to food, food deserts, you know, it's like you have to also think about transportation. You know, or yeah, yeah, or the lack of transport, and and here and so mm-hmm. talking about older and transportation, if you are to an age where you don't have a car or you can't afford a car because you can't afford the gas, then you rely on what? Right, right. Somebody else. A bus, a taxi. A bus, a taxi, a ride. A, a relative. A relative. Once a week. Friend. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now here it is a lot, and I don't know if a lot of the listeners know this, but, and I know it applies to those people who are on Social Security or, uh, no, no, on Medicaid or Medicare, is that the doctors now, and I just found this out this week, um, the doctors will provide an Uber for you to get to your doctor's appointment and take you back home. Really? Well, that's yeah. That's good. That's so. New. I think they defray the cost. I haven't figured out how they're able to do it, but I think they defray the cost back to Medicare or Medicaid. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. I I think there's a. I, I found out when Dad was uh, living with me, there's a real lack of transportation for folks who are uh, suffer with mobility issues. Mm. Um. And when Medicare does not pay out of pocket, uh, Medicare does not pay for that. It's out of pocket. He was in a wheelchair, for example. I had to get a van that had a wheelchair lift to take Mm. him to, because I couldn't do it in my vehicle. I couldn't lift him, and I didn't have a wheelchair lift. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was all out of pocket. Medicare didn't pay one cent. Not one cent. Wow. Now. I know they, they, they will do it for your medical appointments but you have to call your doctor's office because i don't think all doctors do it that could be but you have to call your your medical provider and find out you know if if they do have that service available and if so please utilize it 
Well, they're not going to. I'm sorry. I'm on my soapbox. They're not <laughs> going. They're not. They're hoping that nobody finds out. There's, well, yeah, because it costs them up front. Exactly. Right? It's it's, yeah. it's 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 like all these. We talked about this when, uh, when uh, prescription medicine was the topic. Mm-hmm. There, there's nobody telling folks the hints and trips, the tips and tricks, to saving money when it comes mm-hmm. to medical bills and medical costs, which is a huge cost for a lot of people's pocketbook, especially if you're living only living off of social security, mm-hmm. or a you know a small pension. Right. Right. Yeah, so I, I suggest that our listeners find out, you know, because, you know, even though you may have a car, it may be a time when you don't have a car and you actually mm-hmm. do need a ride to get to your doctor's or, you know, your car could be in the shop or whatever. Yeah. Or you have a family member or a friend who basically is calling you for a ride to take them to the doctor and it may not be convenient for your time or your schedule and so you ask them first call the doctor's office and ask them do they have a program set up uh, exactly using uber or lyft or or you know some or, other service maybe <clears throat> oh so yeah some service you know yeah i know like in in certain areas like metropolitan areas like dc and uh, you know chicago new york they have vans that are linked to their rail system. Right. That they will come and pick you up. Like right. The, I think DC right. has, you know, Metro access, you know, and they will actually pick you up and take you to either a train station or, you know, someplace where you can actually get off. And when you get off at that train station, you can actually have another van to pick you up to take you to the location that you need to get to. So, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I think it's just, it depends on the areas. It depends on, you know, what's available in the area. But not everybody has access to not only the food, but the transportation to even get the food. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, I know as much as, as, as I try to donate to specifically in feeding the needy, right? Yeah. That seems to be my focus of my concentration most for years is I know I can't do it alone. Yeah. Well, the whole thing, you know, even with uh, children not having food at home and having to rely on eating at school, Uh um, you know, and then when school is out for summer, what do they do? Right. Um, Some of those programs have been really... Uh, truncated because of cost yes, and because of local regulators thinking that it's a bad idea to have food for children who don't have food at home, which completely escapes me, by the way. Escapes me. Uh, we were doing actually better during COVID than any other time yeah. because these kids had no other choice yep. but to be home. Yep. And so those food programs were continuing to exist, you know, for the for the kids who would normally get breakfast and lunch at school, um, but I don't. You're right. I don't know what happens in the summers. They're like it's like a free fall. You get what you get and go where you go. And yeah. if it's a bag of Cheetos for for dinner, then that's what it is—a bag of Cheetos. But, yeah. but um, so I, I just don't know. It's no reason. This is my thing. Jay, it's no reason why we cannot feed everyone in the United States adequate 
healthy food. So that's a good segue. I'm glad you said that, and you are absolutely spot on. So I'm going to tell you something I read which completely floored me. The article had to do with how much food is wasted in the United States. The world wastes about 1.4 billion tons of food every year. The United States discards more food than any other country in the world. Nearly 40 million tons, 80 billion pounds every year. That is estimated to be 30 to 40 percent of the entire United States food supply and equates to 219 pounds of waste per person, which equates to every person in the United States throwing away more than 650 average-sized apples right into the garbage or right into the landfills. Food is the single largest component taking up space inside United States landfills, making up 22% of municipal solid waste. Wow. Now, (laughs) you said 80%? Um, 22%. 22%. Yeah. And so what I said, the 80% was more than 80% of Americans discard perfectly good food because they misunderstand expiration labels. (laughs) That's pretty sad. Um, Nearly, but here's the kicker. Nearly 35 million people across the United States live with food insecurity. So we were talking about food deserts, mm-hmm. and that's food insecurity. 10 million of them are children. 10 wow. million. 10 wow, million. Wow, wow. So here, <laughs> what mm. we should be, I mean, when you talk about food insecurity and food deserts, and we're throwing away that kind of food, we're, th- we're throwing away that much food here, and, and people wonder why other countries think we're so wasteful and we're so spoiled and we're so um, mm. ridiculous. And yes. I have to agree by reading these mm-hmm. statistics, assuming that they are accurate. Well, I'm sure that, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure they're more accurate than not. Because when you look at the number of kids, uh, you know, well, let's donation, let's say organization, nonprofit organization, who are for the purpose of just feeding the children here in the United States. It is astronomical, the number, feed the children, you know, uh, what is the one that, um, I can't think of his name, the actor has out, it's like uh, food for... I know who you're talking about, Um, Bridges. Uh, yes. Jeff Bridges? Yes, Jeff Bridges, yes, absolutely. I think it's Jeff Bridges. Yes, mm-hmm. and, and so he has one. And, it's, you know, in your local community, there are nonprofits that just are there to feed kids, you know. And so I believe it. I believe it. You know, I went to a gala, a charity gala on, on Tuesday, Tuesday evening, and it was for... Um, young mothers, you know, like teenage mothers and, you know, who had, who had no place to go home, right? right? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> we were sitting there at the table and they were given their budget summary, okay? Uh, 
at the same time, they're asking for donations, right? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well. mm. To my shock and surprise, um, and here it is, one of the board members may be hearing this this podcast, and, and I really, I have, here it is. I'm saying the truth and how it rings with me. 60% of their budget is for salaries. Yes. Salaries. Yep. Jay, Jay, 60% of their total in what they bring in in donations is just for salary. And and you you touch on something that uh, at the end of the year when I do my donations, because that's when I do them, Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing I do is I go to Charity Navigator, which is a website yes. that gives you the financials of of these places that I would consider giving my money to. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that the ones that that tear at my heartstrings that advertise on TV all the time because I'm an animal lover, I don't donate to them because mm-hmm. I look at their financials and I see exactly how much their CEOs and their CFOs are making. And I see what? the percentage, the pie chart of the percentage of, you know, who's getting the money and, mm-hmm. and where that's going to. And those are, I'm sorry, but you know, these, these uh, commercials that tug at my heartstrings because they're showing these, you know, horrific pictures of animals, they're not getting my money. Right. I'm going, I'm going to give my money to those organizations that are five star with how they allocate their uh their donations how they spend it you know are they sending and you and i have talked about this before offline i believe no i think we talked about it in a podcast these mailers i get these mailers with these you know free calendars and free greeting cards and free this and free that and i'm like (laughs) why don't you guys Use that money towards your charity. I don't need a freaking calendar. I don't need a freaking Christmas card. Or a shopping bag. Or a shopping bag or a notepad. Last last year, right, for Christmas, all of my Christmas cards that went out, but maybe one or two, were from these organizations who are asking for donations. And I'm like, I had so many of them. I could send everybody yes. A, yes. a Christmas card. And I said, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. No, and, and if you are like me, I have contributed to organizations as a memorial of somebody because that's yes. what they wanted in their, in their will or whatever. Well, mm-hmm. and, and so after that, after that one donation, now I get pummeled with, you know, these... <laughs> He's asking for donations like at least once a month, probably more than that. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. And please don't waste postage for, you know, if I was going to donate to you guys, I would do that regularly. And you could probably see by your records, I don't give to you. It was a one-time shot and it was in the, you know, in the memory of somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. You're like me. I get them all week long. These donation requests i may have or i may have donate right you donate one time and that's all that you go on that automatic mailing list yeah. so every time they are they want it to send it seems to be more than once a month that they're asking <laughs> for donations yes. and i'm shredding i'm i'm i'm, I'm actually like dumping this stuff and, and recycle bin 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And perching it, it's like, now that was a waste of money on their part. Absolutely. Because I can, now I don't know, you and I may be different than everybody else, but getting something in the mail does not motivate me to donate. Nope. That's it not does. what motivates me. It's no. research to yeah. find out what's out there. It, you know, it's, it's what is important to me based on what I know and what I've heard and what I've mm-hmm. read and researched. Right. It's not because I'm getting a free freaking calendar in the mail. Right. That's, that's not going to make me, oh, I'm going to write a check now for $50. Right. That's or not a, happening. a decorative grocery bag. Right. You know, or, or stickers, <laughs> address. Oh, my gosh. Return, right. address return stickers. Right. I can't tell you oh how many gosh, address return stickers. So Oh, I've got like an entire drawer full. Right. It's like I should, you know, send these to my friends and family so that they can just use those to send me stuff. I mean, <laughs> yeah, because you have so many of them, you know, you're not going to. I'm not going to use them. Mail. It's like okay, I'm not. I, it's no way I can use that many no. to get rid of all the ones that I have, no. and it's, it's a stack. You know, but but listeners understand this. Jay made a, a good point about looking, doing research on the charities. You know, charity navigation. There's also CFC, Combined Federal Campaign. They put out a book yearly of, of the organizations in which you can donate to, and it gives you a breakdown of everything from their operating expenses to their salaries, and they tell you how much is actually going into salaries. If you see like 10, 20%, that's reasonable. But like I said, when I went to this gala and they said that 60% of their donations goes to salaries, I'm like, who the heck is getting paid? Yeah. Yeah. And, and they also, if, and if you do your research, you can see how much people are being paid too. Right. They will list that's sometimes the, the annual salaries. That is so oh. true. And there that are a lot so of true. charities out there that have nothing but volunteers, and they are yes. using their funding wisely. Because they, well. there are a lot of people out there will volunteer. They don't want a salary. No, because nor need it. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. nor need it. So if you're one of those people, feel free to go out there and find yourself someplace where you can volunteer. And then maybe just for one event, like this gala that I went to, or you can just do it, you know, it's on your time. That's the good thing about being a volunteer. You do it on your time. You, uh, you know, we have something down here. It's called Reading Connections. We teach kids to read. And when I first moved here, I, I got in touch with them. But here it is. The problem is that they're looking for more people who speak Spanish yes for those programs yeah. than for someone who speaks English yes so my ability to even donate my time was like yeah we, well you speak English we need somebody who speaks Spanish and so I was like put on the wayside <laughs> yeah being bilingual like, is a plus these days right yeah. exactly yeah. exactly to be bilingual to teach these kids how to read or even adults you know because there's some yeah. adults who don't know how to read and so I was like, so I was disheartened, but at the same time, I was like, yeah, I understand. I know there's a greater need um, in those, you know, in those in those communities than anywhere else. So uh, I, I met a woman who runs the county 
uh, for the school, she runs the homeless program. Mm. Because there are a lot of kids who attend, you know, public school who are homeless. And so, fortunately, in, in as far as I know, in all public schools, now I don't know about private schools or those charter schools, but I know in, in public schools they do have programs set up for homeless children um, to help them get through the, you know, to be able to graduate from high school, you know. But, yeah, it's, you know, the world we live in is the world we live in, you know, and there are always going to be the takers and there's always going to be the givers. It is our hope for both day and night that you take this opportunity to think about, be grateful for all the things that you have and be grateful that you're able to have what you have. And hopefully you'll decide to, to serve others in a way in which you can best serve them. Not everybody is, you know, is capable, able, or even willing to serve others. But when you look at the world as a whole, if we don't serve others, what is our purpose of our existence? Yeah, and I, I want to say too, again, you hit the nail on the head because there are a lot of people with tunnel vision who, who say, you know, hey, I'm doing okay. Why should I care about anybody else? Well, in my opinion, you should care about everybody else because we're all on the same team, right? We all, we all want everybody to succeed because when everybody succeeds, we succeed. The stronger we are as a nation, the stronger we are as human beings, uh, and so I, I think it is important to, you know, forget the tunnel vision, uh, pay it forward, go spend, spend some time, find somewhere to volunteer. Uh, it, it gives you a good feeling. It's good for your social connections, by the yes. way. Uh, you want to build a network. If you, even if you do it in a, for a selfish reason because you want to build a network of right. whatever connections, you know, if that's what inspires you or motivates you to do that, then by all means, use that as your as your reason. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, there there are a lot of people out there hurting. And um, I'm also going to say this, and I've said it before, if you haven't registered to vote, make sure you register to vote. And after you register, make sure you vote. Those are for people in the United States, by the way. I think, I think we're at this time we're going to wrap up. Jay, well put, well put. I think it's time for us to wrap up. Thanks again to our listeners for joining PB and Jay on Connections on another Saturday, another day <laughs> of talking about things that are impacting our world, ourselves, and the people we love. Thank you.